0: Thank you
1: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome along to Celtic State of Mind. Uh, As you can see, it's not Paul John Dykes hosting today, it is myself, Colin Watt, and I'm delighted to be joined, as always, on a Thursday afternoon by Mr. John Paul Mason. How are you doing today, mate? Yeah, I'm all right.
2: Yeah, looking forward to uh, (laughs) dissecting all things Celtic, Uh,
1: (laughs) which there's not much to dissect, I
2: guess.
1: (laughs) I mean, you could say it's been a, a quiet 24 hours, but that would be a complete lie. Um, There's been so much going on in the world of Celtic and that is why this bulletin is so influential um, in the Celtic fans perspective because we can take a look at what's happened and give a fan's view. So the the main talking point of today really is um, Peter Lawwell's video as such. I don't even know if it's an apology video, what it is. Um, It was put together by Celtic's uh, media team. Um, and if you look, take a look at it you can see it's been heavily edited I would really like to know how long the actual interview was with him um, but just to give a quick overview of what the video was basically it starts off with an apology um, in hindsight he says in hindsight he decides that the um, the trip was a bad idea and he apologizes to the fans from that point onwards he's then asked um, by Jerry McCulloch do you? Uh, regret going Um, and the answer was that no they wanted to go because um, they've seen it as something that they'd done before something that was influential in their performances um, and something that they thought would be of a professional um, benefit to them they also then was asked about the accusations from the media Peter Lowell responded back saying that they were unfair but he does understand the questions as to why they went He then went on to plug Celtic's involvement um, in the charity aspect of COVID-19, talking about the money that's been donated through uh, the foundation. I think the number that he quoted was around 1 million. Um, And he finished with something which I thought was, it was almost like a a rallying cry from him, um, that there would be challenges ahead, that we must come together and we must continue to fight and that they would continue to fight on the park and off the park. Um, it's now had over 100,000 views in the last 19 hours. It's been a video that's went right across social media, it's went right across the fan bases, not just of Celtic, but of Scottish football. JP, what's your take from it? It was um, it was four minutes, 53 seconds of uh, probably the most I've heard from Peter Lowell in the last three or four years. Yeah, uh, it,
2: just, it popped up on my my phone yesterday afternoon and I just saw Lawell's face staring back to me. I think I went to YouTube. I was probably checking something about Axom really. And uh, <laughs> the first thing that popped up uh, was was Peter Lowell's face and I was like, wait a minute, what's this? And I I'm not using social media at the moment, so I wasn't aware of anything about it at all until maybe a couple of hours after it was broadcast. So I just I saw the face and I was like, oh aye, he's finally come out and said something. So I I I watched it. And it just reminded me of something from, I don't know, like, I don't know, you might not remember this, but there was a TV programme called Brass Eye that mocked, like, political affairs. It was Chris Morris and sort of, uh, he did the day-to-day as well, and the day-to-day is where Alan Partridge started and everything like that. So mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me of something from that, you know, like, the, almost like a sort of, this is what, would happen if this did happen, and here 's what it would sound like, but it was the actual real thing you know what I mean it was actually Peter law talking and and expressing you know regret and sort of reluctantly sort of holding his hands up really only after a couple of days of silence and everybody screaming going why have why has nothing been said you know like I can only imagine the pelting that have been taking on social media in the last couple of days. I'm glad I've avoided it. Um, but it's just weird. I, I don't know. It's just a, a weird scenario to have your chief executive come out and uh, say that and, you know, have to, have to say that, you know, like have, mm-hmm. have to be in the position to be able to, to put a statement out like that. And it's just like, how how have we got to this? I know this season is an absolute... Horror show, but like to get to this point is just uh, it's. it's we've found another, you know, <laughs> we've found another sort of uh, thing to go wrong. That you know, everybody thought this is a potential, this could happen, but for it to actually happen and unravel, and then the, the team on Monday was just like, oh my god, like how <laughs> 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 I, yeah,
1: <laughs> that's what I've got in Peter Lowe's statement. <laughs> You're literally at the point now, if you don't laugh, you'll cry um, with the way that things are going this season. Um, if someone had said to you at the start of August that um, and the position we'd be in in January would be this, um, and we'd be waiting for a statement to come out from Peter Lawwell to say sorry for a trip and then go on and defend it, it's not something you can imagine at the start of the season. Jungle Lion makes a great point here. Four minutes of speaking, he said nothing. It's n- he, he did speak, obviously. It wasn't four minutes of silence, but I think the point here is it was four minutes of things that we'd already heard before. There was absolutely nothing new came out of what Peter Lowell had said. It had been the sort of agenda they'd been trying to make towards the press. We'd saw John Kennedy in his press uh, conference at the weekend and he said the exact same things as what Peter Lowell is saying. So he's right, there's absolutely nothing new that came out of Peter Lowell, and I think that's what fans were looking for. They were looking for them to come out and say... Something that we hadn't heard before. We were looking for a,
2: yeah. I think I think you're right. Um, I, I think it was it's just a a really really weird scenario to have to come out and do that. And I think I can't remember if uh, he said
1: um, anything about why they took Julian. Was it was that even pressed? Basically, it was nothing that we hadn't heard before. Um, and I think Celtic fans were really genuinely looking for a heartfelt apology and. Yeah, which I
2: saw that uh, despite not being on social media, I did hear that John Paul Taylor had responded to someone's comments saying, you know, we were promised a review and we should get one, you know. Uh, So he's an employee of Celtic. So if he's actually coming out and saying that he expects that as a fan as well, obviously the guy's a fan, there's no doubt in that. Um, So, you know, he's expecting that review as well. I don't really know how that review will be presented to the Celtic support because it's not as if, it's not as if we're going to get to read minutes of a review of a, of a of a of a meeting that's taken place it's just it's just going to be a case of coming out going basically get behind the manager you know we've been unfortunate but the unfortunate part is that it's of our own doing like we didn't like the last thing that we needed to do was to have someone get coronavirus and yes I know that okay they say it could have happened here it didn't happen here it happened mucking around going to Dubai you know and see the fact that it's Dubai you know it's just my personal opinion but Dubai is basically Cumbernauld with a budget you know it's just like this fake place (laughs) it's a fake place where people with you know shed loads of cash go to to show off the fact that they've got shed loads of cash and I can't help but think that Celtic have basically fallen into line with that kind of thinking, you know. The type, the type of guys that you get in hotels in Dubai, I wouldn't want to have a glass of water with them, never mind a pint. Do you know what I mean? It's just like Celtic have gone and put themselves in that. The only club, I think, that have travelled abroad, and amidst all this, by the way, it's not as if there was loads of other teams going out and doing it as well. We are the only club <laughs> that did it. It's just like we are yep. just
1: asking for trouble, you know. So aye. It was quite interesting to see today that Spartak and Moscow are actually heading off to Dubai for a winter summer training camp. Oh, um clearly they've clearly they've not seen uh, the <laughs> whole debacle that's came out from Celtic. Um surely Jordan Larson's been speaking to his dad and he's heard about it. Uh, but no, it's it's incredible. Um but yeah, we, we were the only team that actually went away on a, a training camp. And if anybody follows Um, old firm facts on Twitter, he put a fantastic article up talking about where all the teams in uh, England and Scotland went on their training camp Um, and basically it was a parody of the fact that Celtic went away Um, and we have got ourselves into this situation where we are a bit of a laughing stock because of this. Um, Everybody had an idea of what was going to happen. Um, This hasn't come as a surprise to anybody um, but what has come as a surprise to me is that Peter Lowell has actually spoken. This is the first we've seen Peter Lowell. The yeah. last time it was a statement on the club's website um, and that was uh, cast eyes by the fans and rightly so. And now he's actually sat down and had an interview, but yet he's still running um, from Paul John Dykes. That interview <laughs> is still not gone ahead. We'd love to see it here on A Celtic State of Mind, just as much as we'd love to see everyone who is getting involved in the comments today. Um JP, we've had a, a couple of people now saying that you've got a bit of the Jurgen Klopp about you today. Um, is, that, is this you? Is this you making the move from the Celtic manager job? Uh, yeah, I'm going to be
2: I'm going to be a pound shop Jurgen Klopp. They can get me in uh, on a cheap budget, and uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll go for it. Uh, I, I I I didn't actually. My friend Brendan gets called Jurgen Klopp a lot. In fact, he got stopped in the street uh, where we were out one night. And we got stopped in Silky Hall Street by this guy that was steaming. And he was just like, ah, oh, it's Jürgen Klopp. And he was like, arm round Brendan and that. Brendan's just like, ah, oh, God. And uh, so, um, uh, yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll take it. Uh, I, I've actually met Jürgen Klopp. Uh, I've got a picture with him. So somebody could probably photo swap me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, but,
1: uh, Fantastic. <laughs> but yeah. This is clearly the main talking point from today. I mean, as I said, over 100,000 people have now watched this video um, in the last 14, eh, sorry, 19 hours. Just some of the, the comments coming through there. You even grabbed his chin like, Jürgen, you are certainly <laughs> setting yourself up as a pound shop, Jürgen Klopp. Aye, <laughs> right, well, uh, we'll,
2: run, we'll run with it. I, I, I didn't have the comments switched on until you said that. Just, I the <laughs> <laughs> I like,
1: oh, all right, okay. <laughs> Um, but obviously, there's, there's actually been more to talk about um, over the last 24 hours, which sums up the way Celtic season's going. We will take a look ahead to the game at the weekend um, against Livingston. Livingston, whose game last night against Aberdeen, was actually called off on an artificial surface, rough. which is absolutely incredible. Uh, called off for being waterlogged. I've seen right. a great comment from uh, Jamie Langfield, Saying that he, he was delighted that the game was called off because that game could have turned into a mud bath, which <laughs> I thought was absolutely that was a great bit of part. Of. Um, we'll take a look at some of the ins and outs for uh, Celtic in the January window. There's been rumours in the newspapers today of Shane Duffy's departure. Um, apparently, he has been linked with a move to Nottingham Forest. We're also now two weeks into the transfer window and there is still no rumours of players being linked to Celtic. Some of the players that were previously linked um, have now went on to sign for other clubs. Is that a sign of the transfer strategy at Celtic? Um, And obviously we'll be looking at your comments coming in. um, But starting off with uh, another talking point which has come up, and I think one that we can probably quickly cover is the under-18s. Um, it's came out today from Stephen McGowan in the Daily Mail that the under-18s have been put on furlough uh, for the next couple of weeks, in line with the fact that the Scottish Government and the SFA have shut down um, football from below the championship level. It seems as though the players are being paid the 8% furlough by the government and then 20% topped up by the club. I think this is something that's happened before, but again, it just seems to be a, a story that has put a, a bad light on Celtic um, and it's probably come at a bad time considering all the other PR stuff that's going on at the moment.
2: I mean, we, we certainly don't need to look for any uh, <laughs> negative press. I mean, we're just basically handing it to them on a plate. Uh, but uh, yeah, in regards to the furlough, it just kind of shows you, I guess... You know these guys. I don't obviously. Who you knows? If you're an under eighteen footballer, I mean, is that all you do, or can you can you work and also be a footballer at under eighteen level? I, I'm ignorant to that. What do you think?
1: I'm 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 unsure. Um, we did have uh, Amy Canavan on the show yesterday, who is the media manager from um, from Bonnie Rick Rose, yeah. and obviously they have now been. Uh, Their football is now suspended um, indefinitely. They say it's three weeks, but let's be honest, there's never going to be three weeks. Mm. Um, And the point that we were uh, discussing off air yesterday was these guys will have full time jobs. So if you turn up to your employer and say, oh, by the way, um, I caught this illness playing against uh, Bonnie Rig at the weekend. And then you have to take two weeks off. You have to isolate for two weeks. Your your employer's not going to be happy with that. But no. the, from my opinion, I think the under-18s here, once you turn 16, you would then be transferred onto a sort of first full-time contract. And we're not talking about big money. Um, mm. As the comments are saying coming in, a lot of these guys are probably still at school and at college as well. Yeah. So to take that risk factor away, I think is probably a good idea. Could Celtic have afforded to pay the 100% wage? I think, of course, they could. Um, but they seem to be utilising this project that's out there from the government um, and at a time when uh, the PR... As the number one audio company,
0: iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. The world is waiting, waiting for new thinking.
1: it's probably a news story that he didn't want to break. If this was a, a happy time and um, everything was all positive in the news, I don't think a lot of people would have mentioned it. But the fact that they've just spent such a vast amount of sums of money on the trip to Dubai, it was the last thing that Celtic needed.
2: Yeah, I I, um, I think it just shows you how, how weirdly treated football is being at the moment, like how, you know, They always talk about like this sort of elite sport, and you know they're in a privileged position and all that. It's 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 actually quite mad that football is still going ahead at this time. you know? Like, yes, as fans, we all want to watch football matches, and and you know I'm watching probably a lot more football at the moment than I would do normally because I'm not doing the other things that I normally do, like go to gigs all the time or work gigs. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think you know, just seeing the way that football is still going ahead, it's just like. Yes, I still want it, but not being able to go to the games is just such a huge factor in all this and it, and it almost makes it it just it, it diluted the enjoyment of winning nine in a row and it's going to dilute the the sort of I think the the upset at losing the league. I think if, if everyone was in the same place and we were all going to the games and there was no no, no coronavirus and we were in this position as well, 21 points behind there would be absolute mayhem at games. Like the, the atmosphere at games would be poisonous, I think, because mm-hmm. it would just be so shambolic. But I think the fact that they don't have fans at the games is is probably a, a, is a, is a huge thing. And I've come onto that from talking about the way that football is treated differently, but it's just strange that we are mm-hmm. continuing on with football while nobody else can do anything,
1: but we can play football matches. It just seems a bit a bit surreal. But then that's that was part of what, um, Peter Lowell was saying in his interview yesterday uh, and a lot of people saying it's not an interview it was sort of a forced chat that's the way it did come across you could see it was heavily edited um, anybody that's done any sort of editing before will see where the clips came in and out and that's why I asked at the start of the programme I'd love to know how long this interview was actually um, when Jerry McCulloch did it with Peter Lowell and what it was cut down to but one of the points that Peter Lowell actually mentioned was that Celtic have been affected more than any other club through Covid and I just don't buy that. I, I don't understand where he's coming from in that instance. And then he comes out and says that we'll come together, we'll fight together. And then the news breaks that the under-18s have now been put on furlough. Timing-wise, was it was terrible for them. Um, but it just shows, again, there is a bit of a disconnect between what is coming out from the statements from Celtic, what's coming out from Peter Lawwell, and what is actual fact. Do, do you know what? I think... I
2: think he has a point in a sense, and this is where I'm going to have to be critical of Neil Wynne. Is that we we've been affected probably more by it because of the decisions that we made in the year prior to going into it. You know, I mean, in an ideal world, you know, we would still have Brendan Rodgers as manager, uh, you know, and everyone would be happy, and you know, we would all be singing about going for ten in a row, and Brendan Rodgers is here for ten in a row. But Brendan Rodgers jumped shit and left. But mm-hmm. how? How would things be, right, if there hadn't been this sort of uh, uh, free song between Law and Rogers, and that led to you know Rogers not getting players that he wanted, you know, considering a move to China, all of that? How would things be if they would kept Rogers in the place that he should have been? How would Rogers have adapted to this environment and this situation? You know, I, I you know, would would players have been sold if they wanted to go? Yes, probably. You know, he would have insisted on in that, I think. But instead, we kept players that didn't want to be there. Lennon said, said as much as himself after the Schwarz game, a game where we started with Ryan Christie up front. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that's mm-hmm. a huge, a huge, huge game. And we always seem to go into these games having to play a player out of position or not having the right amount of players for a certain area of the park. And so I just think that we have been affected probably by the whole thing more than others. But we've put ourselves in a position where we've been so susceptible to it. And then we've made key decisions throughout the season that have led to, uh, you know, uh, being well, we, we need not made the decisions. Volleyball and Goalie made the decision to fly where he did and cause the games to be postponed. But we made the decision mm-hmm. to fly to with Julian injured. And you know, uh, risk that risk that bubble being
1: uh, penetrated. So we see a comment coming in here, and if you are watching us on um, YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook, do give the video a like, leave a comment in the section. It really helps us um, with YouTube's uh, algorithm, and it gets the videos more views. Um, we have just recently um, got over seven point four thousand subscribers. We're targeting 10,000 by the end of the season. Be sure to share the podcast with your Celtic-minded friends. Uh, But the comment comes in here from Ninth Legion, everyone demanded an apology, so he apologises. Now that is also a problem. But then this then goes back to what Jeff comes in here to say, is apology was mere lip service, damage was already done. Was it a case of Peter Lawwell was damned if he did and damned if he didn't in this situation?
2: I I think so. I think I think that the pressure was probably, I'd imagine it was mounting on Twitter um, for him to come out and say something. I saw a few comments on articles, you know, basically saying, there's, there's, there was a Celtic blog who was basically saying there's still radio silence at Celtic Park, you know, up until yesterday afternoon. So it was one of those where it was just like, yeah, he had to come out and say something. And I think the fact that they did an in-house interview you're not going to, well, obviously they're aware that Paul's been trying to get them on here, you know, to, to <laughs> and we're not, are not offering out this uh, site as a as a platform or this show as a platform. And so he's, they've obviously thought, God, you know what, if if a Celtic fan page, you know, is, is basically saying we should do this and all their followers and people are commenting and are going, yeah, they should do that. And then they've obviously went, yeah, we should probably do that. eh? And then it's taken them
1: till yesterday to actually you know, uh, activate it. So just seeing Paul coming in, just on the point you're making, uh, Paul's actually sent a follow request to Celtic's PR officer on Tuesday, uh, re- requesting the exclusive interview with Lawell. No response as of yet. We will keep everyone updated on that to see if we'll get him on. I believe when the um, the charity weekend was going on, there was an offer of ten thousand pounds to charity if Peter Lawell would come on and do a one off interview. Um, Obviously, money wasn't a contributing factor, but it was very emphasis, it did put a lot of emphasis sorry, on the fact that they have donated £1 million to charity over this coronavirus period. Now, yes, that is a fantastic achievement, um, especially when times are, are tough. A lot of people are on furlough, a lot of people have lost their jobs during this period. So the fact that you can donate this amount of money to charity and Um, We can help those that are more vulnerable. That is the ethos of what Celtic were built on. Um, And there was a question that was also asked in the interview when he was asked about comments from the media. And to be honest, listening to the question back, it sounds as if he was asked about the comments by Andy Walker on Sky Sports on Monday uh, when he said that it was um, against the club's ethos and against what the club stands for, for what they did. Lawwell comes out in defence and says that he doesn't believe that it was um, against the club's ethos, but that the landscape had changed from when the trip was approved um, on November. And he made the point to say that the trip was approved. Um, he didn't then, he, he actually went back to that to say that it was approved. He said that it was organised and then made sure he made the point that it was approved. The landscape had changed. So, uh, the Dubai was still on the list. But it still didn't make sense for the club to go. And he came out and said, in hindsight, that was the case. Surely even before that, he knew it wasn't the case. And I think that Andy Walker was right. It, it is against the club's ethos that Celtic went away to Dubai. Because we're spending this money. We're going to these world-class facilities. And now we're at the position where it's actually weakened our team. So go on and talk about all the charity, all that you want. But at the end of the day, the Celtic fans really care about the product that's going on the pitch as much as the charity money that's been raised.
2: See the, see the 10 grand offer that was put in uh, by a, a, a business for the for the interview, if, if, we, if Paul was able to get it. If you think about mm-hmm. that, 10 grand's a, a, a hell of a lot of money, right? That could do a lot of good for, for a small charity, right? It would be a seismic impact. How much, if you put 10, if you look at a 10, 10 grand in terms of the Dubai trip that's just happened, that's probably like I don't know four or five players' room service bills for their time there. Do you know what I mean? That's that's mm-hmm. that's what ten grand is in Celtic world. Do you know what I mean? It's, it it just uh, it's, it's staggering to think of the disconnect now that there is at this point in time. And I know people will say, "Oh, well, you went to Dubai last year and nobody was complaining." Then I've got a problem with I've got a problem with going to somewhere like Dubai. Do you know what I mean? It just for me it seems like. Uh, you know that I think maybe somebody's already used this analogy, but it's like the the Rocky Four analogy when like Dolph Lundgren is training in like high tech facilities and you know he's got the best of everything, and then Rocky's just up a mountain, you know, running up a mountain, screaming Adrian at the top of the mountain. It's a total, <laughs> a total Kevin Graham analogy. <laughs> uh, they'll always be one. Um, but uh, I just 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 think it just makes me think of that. It just means think it's like like unnecessary decadence going going there, you know, it's just, it's, it's. I don't think it's them showing off that they've got money, I don't think it's that, I just think it's like, it's kowtowing to like the modern day footballer, and kowtowing to these guys that are cutting about in Balenciaga gear, and you know, where do people with Balenciaga gear want to go? They want to go to Dubai, you know, and where do footballers want to go? They want to go to Dubai, because they get to spend loads of money, and you know, shops and gear and all that, and I don't mean that sort of gear. Um, <laughs> <but>, uh, <laughs> Got to be careful with that. <laughs> I'm not trying to create new controversy here, God's sake. Please, no. Uh, I, I, I already sort of slightly predicted the beaton collapse against Rangers. I don't want to predict any uh, further <laughs> uh, narcotic
1: stories about Celtic players, but uh, aye, it's just uh, uh, it's, it's, that's how I feel. Paul Cockwell coming in with a comment here. Did you know that Billy McNeil was the manager after they defeated the Rangers, and the Celtic players were supposed to go to Spain. Billy McNeil cancelled the trip and gave them money to a local school, um, and he's claiming that as a fact. Now, obviously, that's before my time. I don't know if you heard that story before, no, JP. I, I did, um, and it was, uh, it,
2: was uh, it was I think it was Andy Walker or I it was Andy Walker that said this in a in a in an article um, a few days ago, and he basically said that they got beat. And Billy McNeil sat them all down, all the senior members of the squad, like um, Paul McStay, uh, Peter Grant, and all that, and just basically said, "We're not going." I can't remember where it was in Spain they were supposed to be going. Uh, he named the actual place, and then they just said, "No, we're not going." And they, like he said, they donated the money. So Andy Walker's on record as saying that's fact. So um, a different, a different, a different world, a different era.
1: Definitely. Um, And again, a big thank you to everyone who's joining us today. I can see there's over 1,000 people um, getting involved, which is fantastic. Um, So if we take a look at the other topics that are coming out, um, let's take a look at the January transfer window. Now, we're two weeks into this January transfer window, and as of yet, there has been no strengthening of the squad. The team sits 21 points behind Rangers, um, and basically... We're in a position now where you're looking to see whether Peter Lowell's point that we're still fighting and we still believe in the team is true. And if that's the case, then we know we need to strengthen the squad because the first half of the season hasn't been good enough. Or whether that the club has now written off this season and they're looking to plan for the future. And if that's the case, they'll be looking to bring in players ahead of the European qualifiers in the summer. But we're two weeks in and there's been nothing yet. The only discussion that I've seen so far is that Shane Duffy uh, may be having his loan spell cancelled and that he may be going out on loan to Nottingham Forest. What would you make of that if that was to come true? Um. Oh,
2: like, well, see, to be honest, I didn't know that much about Shane Duffy uh, before he sent for Celtic. I certainly didn't know that he once had a romantic uh, relationship with uh, Jordan, a.k.a. Katie Price, um, what that says about the man's character, I'll leave that up to other people's uh, uh, <laughs> opinion. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I was obviously hopeful getting a proven um, English Premiership player coming in. You know, Republic of Ireland captain. You know, if you could have created a wish list of boxes to tick for for Celtic fans, he would have ticked most of them. But I'm going to say he has been the biggest waste of money pound for pound as a centre-half since Raphael Philippe Scheidt signed in the year 2000. And I remember that. And I remember watching him as a season ticket holder and the few games that he played and then, you know, you've got the famous Martin O'Neill comment where it was like, uh, you know, you remind you me a lot of me. And then it was like, yeah, I'm 50-odd I'm and I can still do everything that you can do. are <laughs> just kind of looked at the ground and it was like, oh, I'm done here. Um, and, you know, I, I just think... I don't know. We've just we bought the guy unfortunately at at the wrong point in his career, and you know he's come here with all the experience and everything else. But whatever's going on in his own life right now, if he's got any inner turmoil, being at the club that you support in a season when they're going for a historic tenth title in a row well, it's not the place that you need to be. <laughs> you know, it's it's as simple as that. You know, like if, if, if we're being fed the line that there is issues, that you know, or he's had issues, I know that he lost his father. I lost my dad two years ago. I'm still not over it. Do you know what I mean? I, it's not something that just goes in a couple of weeks, you know, so I, you don't know what's going on with his mental health. So I, I certainly wouldn't
0: want to, Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
2: Belittle him uh, as, a, as a person, but looking at things factually, he's not been a good signing for Celtic. And if going somewhere else uh, with a manager that he's worked with before, Chris Hewton, um, then, you know, perhaps that's the... Yeah? Um, yeah,
1: yeah, I can hear you. I'm still listening to you, sorry. I
2: don't know. I don't, you've just, uh, my, my screen's just uh,
1: <laughs> disappeared. I don't know where it's gone. Um, I'm telling you, it's the Axon Sniper they're trying to take us out. Peter Lovell's <laughs> heard the discussion this morning and he doesn't want to hear any more of it. Um, yeah. But no, the point you're making on... Um, Shane Duffy's spot on, but the the question the question I would ask is, when you look at it, we're now at the position where we only once the players return back from um, their isolation period, we're left with only one recognised um, centre half, and yeah. Christopher Iago. Chris Julian is out for four months. Stephen Welsh, who I actually thought played really well against yeah, the Hibs yeah. at the weekend, but as a, a person who's only made three league appearances for Celtic. Um, And one of them was last season. One was against Rangers in the the Derby and the other one was on Monday night. So it's a lot to throw into someone that hasn't played a lot of games. So then you're left with only two centre-halves. It has to be a position that we're looking to strengthen in this transfer window because if we get one more injury, then who do we turn to? Have we got to go to the reserves? Is there someone that's coming through there? It it just seems to be an incredible situation that we find ourselves in. Well, it does. And
2: uh, I guess it goes back to you know, everybody thought that the recruitment was good in the summer and the players that we brought in, Laxalt like you know, international keeper in Barkas, uh, Duffy um, retaining El Yanisi. I think, you know, everybody thought that but then see to be going into that game against Rangers um, a couple of weeks ago, you know, when I was on McKev two days before and I said, I'm not comfortable with are beaten playing centre half, I said, look at what he did last night, makes that but shove in the box, needless shove. You know the guy's going nowhere. Nearly gives away a penalty, and on another on another game. That's a penalty. And then you know to be going into a game of that magnitude, having to play near beat on at centre half when you've got Shane Duffy on the bench, who clearly was mm-hmm. fit because he came on. So like that's just a, a, an absolute catastrophe of uh, of 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 signing of a signing policy to. to Certainly, to not have anybody you know in reserve, you know, it's 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 absolutely mental. Especially when you look at the other side of the city and what they've got to pull from, and they just sort of seem to slot players in and out there and seamlessly. And there's never never any you know emergency people playing in emergency positions. It doesn't seem to be that way anyway. Whereas we are riddled with it. You know, it's just like constantly square pegs and round holes. Um, so so Duffy, if he was to go. You know, I, I I don't think there's going to be a... There's not going to be a, a sort of a big outpouring of, of grief at him leaving, do you know what I mean? It'll just, just be like, mm-hmm. oh, that, that didn't work. It was a,
1: it was an interesting few months. See you later, you know. Um, and there's been a stat that's came out in recent days uh, that talks about the amount of goals that we've conceded from set pieces. Um, and what you could see at the set pieces on Monday night is you could see... Um, Stephen Welsh directing Diego Laxalt where to stand and he was trying to command the area, which is great to see from someone that has um, doesn't have a lot of experience um, so that that shows that there is a player in there, um, but again if we get one more injury, you're then back to playing near Beton at centre half and after that performance against Rangers, it's not a position that you want to put him into uh, yeah. we shouldn't be in the position where you're playing central midfielders Um in um, a centre-half position. So, if you look at it, we're going to be three or four months without Christopher Julian. You've got Christopher Ayer, and then what? You've got the boy Welsh. We really need to strengthen in, in that position. We yeah. can't go to play the three at the back that Neil Lennon loves to play because you don't have three centre defenders. Even if you play two at the back, we're one injury away from being back in a crisis. It just yeah. seems a, a ridiculous position to be, to be in. And with two weeks of the window still to go, we haven't even been linked with anyone yet. I mean, we were linked with Benkovic. She decided to go to Levering over Celtic. So, what happens now? I, I read
2: that um, Nicky Hammond was watching Declan Gallagher. I read a I read an article that may or may not have been fact, but it said that Declan Gallagher was watching. Uh, sorry, Nikki Hammond was watching Declan Gallagher at a Motherwell game within the last two weeks. Uh, so it would obviously maybe it would have been at the weekend. I don't know. I can't remember where I read it, but it definitely said he was watched anyway. I mean, obviously they'll have been able to ask Turnbull about Declan Gallagher and his and his uh, you know his mentality and training and how he is in the dressing room and all the rest of it. So they'll have got close and from close hand information from from Turnbull. I think I've seen a lot of people bring up uh, his slightly checkered uh, past. Uh, are you aware of that? Are you aware? Yeah, of yeah. That? yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't let that stand in the way of, of making him a signing. If, if he's deemed good enough to be a signing in this short term, um, I haven't seen enough of him to, to comment. You know, he's, he looked decent against us. He obviously took his goal well. He's been in and around the Scotland set-up. He played in that uh, Serbia game and did well, I thought. Um I wouldn't want to be basing signing a guy on one international Scotland international game or a half decent performance against us because we've we've made signings like that before and they've not they've not done anywhere near as good as they should or, or expected to do. Um, so I I, I I think the Declan Gallagher one's the only person uh, that's been linked that I I can. Tell, but maybe we've got a rabbit to pull out of a hat but he's already, Lennon's gone on record and said that we need to sign a centre half and we'll be looking to mm-hmm. sign so whether that's a, a loan signing because ultimately I think, you know, why would we go out and shell out, you know five, six, seven million on a centre half um, at this stage it just seems, it hardly ever happens in January does it, you don't, you don't see signings of that nature happen really because um, anybody would be wanting to hang on to somebody like that in January rather than mm-hmm. sell them. And they'd be like, well, if we could sell them for six, seven million now, we can sell them for six, seven million in the summer.
1: So if you take a look at it with the Declan Gallagher thing, I think there's only um, six months left on his contract at Motherwell. He's about yeah. to turn 30 um, next month. He, what he did come through the Celtic Youth Academy. Um, and as you said, he has had a bit of a, a checker pass before. That seemed to turn around when, to, when he went to Livingston and he ended up making the Scottish national team. But mm. for me, I just think that's a, a papering over the cracks with someone like Declan Gallagher. You take a look at Motherwell this season and they're sitting second from bottom. So mm. that would never instill confidence in me that you bring in a centre-half who's playing in a team that are fighting relegation this season, mm. um, no matter how good they would be. To me, it looks as if it's like someone, um, like when we brought in Scott Bain. Scott Bain was brought in as a third-choice goalkeeper. Um, he went on loan to Hibbs. never played a game. He was barely playing for Dundee because of his fallout with Neil McCann. And then we're trying to bring someone in um, and he turns in to be our number one goalkeeper through and uh, through suspension. For me, I think Stephen Welsh is a better defender than Declan Gallagher. And mm. if we're trying to plan for the future, which we should be doing now, then he shouldn't be part of the plans if you're going to do that. We should be looking at other players, younger players, um who we can turn into uh, potential uh, Celtic players of the future. A lot of people coming in and saying Ryan Porteus at Hibs. What would your take be on him?
2: Uh, well I certainly I like his tenacity and he's, he's he's he is up for a yeah up for a fight. Um <laughs> I had a, a a recent sort of stoshi with a friend of mine who's a Hibs fan who just out of nowhere decided to unleash uh, all this abuse at me, um, just basically slagging Celtic off, calling Celtic, you know, just, you know, they're just sort of, you know, le- the league bullies who just go out and buy players off other clubs and look at all the players you've taken off Hibs over the years. And I had to concede on a few from Hibs, you know, there was the um, Chris Killen, for example, that was a needless, probably a needless signing. Maybe yep. to slightly less to the extent to Ulrich Lawson, although Ulrich, Ulrich Lawson did play in some big games for Celtic Um mm-hmm. yep. what did he Agat who we that was their fault they didn't they put him down in a long term deal and we just took advantage of a situation and went in and paid 30 grand for him or 50 grand or whatever it was um, so if, if we were to go in and get Porteous arguably one of their best players I think I would be expecting a message from my pal Ryan um, <laughs> imminently because they would be raging But I, I I certainly, from from what I've seen of Porteous against us, I, I I do like him. I like, I like his sort of, he's very committed. You know, you've seen that against uh, that other team, Um, and likes a tackle, Uh, highly rated. I think Um, you might be able to tell me differently, Um, but I, I I, I would, I wouldn't be. I'd rather we went went for someone like Ryan Porteous, and but that would involve spending money, surely, because we were not going to go in Mm -hmm. there hibs and lowball them again <laughs> or, or or are we i don't,
1: I don't know <laughs> that would be an interesting uh, an interesting one as peter lowell tries to um <laughs> speak with the, the hibs chairman to to try and oh, get man. that but, i mean i mean this is the kind of situation we find ourselves in now and it's as much to do with celtics doing as it is to do with um the situations that are out with celtics control for example with the brexit um the, what's happened there it makes it more difficult for Celtic to sign players from uh, foreign countries uh, they have to be of a certain standard now to get them in we can't go out and try and bring in someone that we think will be a talent in a year to two years time someone like um, I'm trying to think the best example of recent times is Asoro Is Asoro wouldn't be able to sign for Celtic now um, because he doesn't have the international experience mm-hmm. so the way that Celtic do their transfers are going to have to change Um, and I wouldn't be surprised that we do start looking at players from the Scottish Premiership uh, teams uh, or also from the Championship down south. I know we've been linked with Ben Davies from Preston Mm -hmm. um, and some other deals that we were linked with uh, such as Alfie Daughtry from Charlton. It looks as if that one's not going to go through. We've also been linked with Wigan striker Kyle Jones over the last couple of days. Um, It is going to be the way that we go forward and I think for Celtic, this is the end of an era. This is the time to rebuild. Um, regardless of whether Celtic win 10 in a row or they don't win 10 in a row, and to me, that is more likely to be the latter. Mm. We have to rebuild. There's going to be a lot of players that look to move on after this season. Yeah. Um, and it's the start of a new era at Celtic. So I think if you can start making the plans now, start looking at the players that are available on pre-contracts for January, then it's something that we should be doing but we also have to see ourselves through the, the rest of the season and we also have to um, look at the team that we've got at the minute and for the games that's coming up, you don't want to be in a position where near ones at centre-half in that game. So we no. do have to strengthen between now and the rest of the season as well.
2: I, I would be more inclined to agree and say I would rather see Welsh kept in around the team or, you know, even starting um, over just going out and getting someone randomly, you know, a random, sign, random centre-half signing that's, you know, not been scouted properly because, let's face it, we can't really put our trust in whether or not they've scouted anybody because up until a, a week or two ago, they probably weren't looking to get a centre-half, you know, when all of a sudden we need a centre-half. So if all of a sudden you need a centre-half, is it just a scattergun approach where you're just like, oh, what about him or what about him, what about him, rather than like a measured, you know, our measured scenario where someone's been profiled, and you know everyone's you know all everyone's all on board with their hands up, going yeah, I think we should sign this guy rather than like mm, don't know, I don't know about him, you know. And so I'd rather you know if we if we were going to go and get one centre half and and then and then and then you know I, I felt I think Paul mentioned that I felt sorry for Welsh when you when actually never thought about it. You know sometimes you don't think about football players and their lives and like. You know, you just or sometimes you just think about them as being like that guy you've seen play for Celtic, and then you don't really think about what happens after that. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Welsh was just completely bombed out of the squad after the Milan game. Uh, as soon as we had our sort of quota of centre halves back, Welsh wasn't even really featured on the bench. I don't think. I don't know. I, I don't know why, but it just seems a bit. You know, it's seems a bit unfair, really, that you come in and you know, it's not the you only know, you can blame him for any glaring errors or mistakes. You know, I think he did all right when he came in. And certainly with a centre half, you need to, you know, keep giving them opportunities to to allow their confidence to grow rather than just be like, oh, I got in for a couple of games
1: and I've not seen any action then for
2: months, you know?
1: Yeah. And especially with the fact that we can make the five substitutions this year. Yeah. Um, So you can give the young players a chance um obviously we've not been in the position where we've comfortably been winning games for a period of time. A lot of the results that we have won have been um pretty close games. Mm. So we, we haven't been able to do it. But what we saw is when we brought in guys like Ishmael Asoro and we brought in guys like David Turnbull, the, yeah. the kind of the spine of the team changed. Um and the emphasis was more on the attacking side of the game and it was quicker build-up play. Um, some of the stuff that David Turnbull has done this season has been absolutely incredible nice, um, his, his passing range, his link-up play has been outstanding um, and he is one that will certainly be um, there for the future at Celtic and if I'm being honest, if we look at the rebuild job that needs to be done in the summer um, I think that you've got a core there of Ismail Soro, Callum McGregor and David Turnbull and from that you have to build the rest of the team around it
2: yeah, no, I agree. I, I think even when he when he stepped up to take that free kick on Monday, I knew he was going to score. I absolutely knew mm-hmm. he was going to score. There was no doubt uh, in my mind. I thought, right, this is absolute last chance in here pretty much for us. And if there was anybody on that park that I thought was going to actually deliver. When you look at his strike rate in the last you know, month or something or month and a half since he's come into the team. He's got a fair amount of goals. I don't know how I many is it
1: four or five goals he's got and I think he's got five goals in six games or something like that. Yeah. It's an incredible return. Yeah,
2: yeah. and uh, on another day he might have got one at Ibrox as well. Do you know? It's just I think if things had gone different in that first half it would have been a completely different game. That's I all if, ups and maybe's. I know, but uh, you know, I was certainly confident with him going into that game uh, and the way he was playing. Um, and and I, th- I think, yeah, I think it, it's amazing to see someone just suddenly come into the the team and then make a make a jersey of his own. Do you know? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's been a while since we've seen anybody do that. Certainly in the Celtic midfield, which has been almost, uh, you know. Uh, Sort of locked shut, you know, in terms of who gets a game in the midfield. It's just been like, oh well, it's it's Brown, it's McGregor, it's you know, and Cham. You know, like there, there's there's not been there's not been anybody really able to sort of get into that mix, whereas he's just coming in and yeah. went like out the way. I can do this, and he's proven it. You know, he's 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 really really impressed me.
1: So just a point on what you made there. So we'll take a look back at the Hibs game and we'll take a look forward to the Livingston game on Saturday, just to round off today's show. Uh, Watching the game on Monday night, were you impressed with the players that came in uh, to make their kind of debuts? Cameron Harper was someone that uh, made his first team debut. I was also reading that he only had six months left on his contract, um, but Celtic have offered him a new deal. So one to keep an eye on there. Um, but guys that come into the squad like Henderson, like Flex, like Dembele, um, were you impressed with some of the performances at the on Monday night?
2: I wouldn't say there was anybody really that sort of stood out and made me go. Oh, I mean, I, I did think Welsh Marshall in the back, like you said, um, it was good to see him being sort of vocal and whatnot. Um, I wouldn't say I, I, I would. I was just impressed with the fact that we we were, able, we were able to put together a performance. You know, like when a team's thrown together like that. Missing so many big players, you know, and these, and I know that there was no fans there, so that makes it maybe not as uh, daunting a task as to go like because there'd be Mm -hmm. sixty thousand fans there on Monday night, and we were in this same position. I mean, arguably, if there was fans there, I don't think we would be in this same position. That's another argument. But if we were going into that game with sixty thousand fans there, with the pressure in that game, and they, uh, and it was that team, you know. I would have feared for them because it would have been a huge, huge weight on their shoulders. Whereas maybe the fact mm. that there was fans, they were able to just go, right, we kind of know what we're doing here. Uh, let's see how we get on. And we were going up against a Hibs team that are, are really a decent Hibs team that probably should have got a, a result at Ibrox a few weeks ago. I watched that game. They they definitely deserved a point in that game. Rangers nicked the 1-0. Mm. And, you know, I think... Gerard even said after the game that was a tough test. You know, we're we're happy to to get the win. You know, maybe rode our luck a bit. So you know, we've gone and played that team with a complete shadow side, an absolute shadow side. You know, uh, and and managed they took it to like what the eighty odds minute to to nearly win it. And I don't think anybody would argue that we'd won the game with that free kick from from Turnbull. Naivety at the back, the free kick. Laxalt, the free kick is just like oh, yep, this is up there. against Milan, it's just absolutely needless, absolutely needless. You know, and you wonder would Taylor have made that same mistake? I know it's horses for courses, but I, 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 I don't think he would have. I think he's, I think he's more defensively sound than Laxalt. and Laxalt's maybe, maybe tired. I don't know, um, but a terrible, terrible free kick to give away at that time in the game as well, just to to expose us is just, oh.
1: Just looking at the two goals then um, in isolation, so obviously um, David Turnbull's free kick was a fantastic uh, bit of skill. What I was saying when I was watching the game was I felt the goalkeeper gave him so much of the goal to target that it was his only option was to take the the pop for where he put it. Um, Mm -hmm. But to get the technique to go up and over the wall and back down um, was outstanding. Um, taking a look at the Hibs goal as you said I don't think um, they, there was definitely no need for Diego Laxalt like to give away that foul um, it was poor but I thought his positioning throughout the whole game was pretty poor as well mm. um, there was a lot of times where he didn't really know who to mark he could have stopped the crosses from coming in um, but he wasn't in the right positions and then it was just a calamity of errors um, for that Connor oh. Hazard who I actually thought had a very good game up until yeah. that point um, he was coming out, he was collecting crosses. He made a couple of really good saves. Yeah. Um, he'd, done probably, he'd probably made more saves than some of the other goalkeepers have made this season, mm-hmm. um, as this seems to be the, the point coming across from the Celtic fans. That's true. But then he comes out and he kind of makes a similar error to what he did in the Scottish Cup final. Um, and then the ball kind of falls to the defence. Shane Duffy makes a kind of skiff at clearing it and in goes the goal from Kevin Nisbet. And it just kind of summed up Celtic season so far as to oh. um, where the gap came from, uh, where the goal came from.
2: Yeah, that, uh, and, and it was. Uh, I mean, if if it, <laughs> if anybody was clinging on to any slim hope, uh, it, it, I think it vanished at that point with that with that equaliser. But I mean, yeah, the the damage has been has been done. And it's been drip fed the damage rather than just like one calamitous moment or anything like that. It's just been like a sort of drip fed over the season. But did you know I, I did look back at the Ferenc Varos squad, and Harper was on the bench in that game. Uh, Cameron Harper mm-hmm. was in yeah. the bench in that game. So that just shows you, even at that stage of the season, how stretched we were. We were, we were, we were putting like Harper on the bench because we didn't have anybody else. As a, we had Kamala as well, I think, but obviously we were starting with Christie in that game. So, um, but aye, that's an aside. Uh, I think, yeah, it just it does it did sum up everything, but it summed up everything in the fact that we were having to play that team to to you know to contest that game. It was just like this is, oh man, this is absolutely farcical that we have uh, found ourselves in this position. It's just it's beyond anything I think anybody could have. Expected. Uh, I think so many people are just <laughs> give Klopp his own show.
1: <laughs> 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 uh, You're going was, down really well in the comments today, PJ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's just.
2: Um, I think it's just a, a sad indictment of where we are uh, and how and how we've really badly negotiated this pandemic. You know, some people have probably dealt with this individually better than others uh, in terms of what they've done and how they've used their time. Celtic have dealt with it horrendously bad, you know, and and yeah. you know we, we've just we've we've just kept finding more bullets to shoot ourselves in the foot with, you know. And it's like we started off with two, used them, and then just you know repeatedly shot ourselves in the foot, um, and it's it's it's. It's gutting, but at the same time, I don't feel as invested in it as I normally do because I'm not at the Games. See, see not being at the Games, I don't feel yeah. as invested as I, as I would do. If this was all yeah. happening at the Games, oh my God, this would be, this times a million for me. But it's not, so.
1: Yeah, I, I totally get that. I was talking to uh, Paul Mitchell from the BBC yesterday on mm-hmm. the Football Insomniac podcast, which anyone can catch on a State of Minds YouTube after this. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking about the saturation of football at the minute. I mean, even last night in England, I think there was two or three games, one after the other. It just gets to a point where you feel, oh, I could just miss that game. I'll see the highlights later. I'm not that fussed. I'm not that into it. So, yeah, it is. And if you were at the games and we were going to Celtic Park week in and week out, I think, I don't think Neil Lennon would still be in a job. No, um, yeah, for one we didn't. Um, and I'd like to think that we'd be in a better position than what we are um, I think this season and the fact that fans haven't been there has allowed um, a lot of stagnation behind the scenes mm-hmm. um, so it'll be quite interesting but looking ahead to the game against Livingston at the weekend um, obviously this will be the last time you're on before the Livingston game mm-hmm. what are you looking forward to? Do you think there'll be many changes in the team ahead of that game?
2: Uh, I, 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 don't think so. No, I think, uh, I think he probably saw enough from that side uh, on Monday. By the way, we see the whole ear, ear, AirPod thing. What, what was said about that? Was, was, was it claimed that that Neil Wennon was talking to players <laughs> on their phones through their AirPods? Is that was that what the reason was given? That was meant to be the case. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's interesting because I did see some pop up on a, a Celtic page that was saying, you know, oh, I was on one of these clickbait uh, news stories basically saying, why why did Armstrong Ocoflex have an AirPod? And when he was on the bench, was he just sitting listening to tunes while, <laughs> while the game was going on? <laughs> that would be absolutely mental if that was happening. I think that would put El Yanoussi's, you know, we swatch at the score on his phone to. You know, <laughs> to, get that to the another level? level. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, um, but if that if that has been cited as a reason, then fair enough. But uh, I I think he probably saw enough from that side to think that they were capable of another performance. I I I I, I was pretty terrified about Monday night. To be honest, I was thinking we could be on the wrong end of a a bit of a shoeing Really, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I thought Hibbs would have maybe sensed a bit of blood and and gone for it a bit more. Um, but they they didn't, and they and I'm quite glad they didn't. Um, but Livingston are obviously on a good run. Uh, I, I don't know what their stats are, but I know that they've been on a fairly
1: decent winning run. Did they win against Ross County the other day? What was the final score? I think I think they've won three or four in a row. They're on a really good run. Um, yeah. They obviously were meant to play meant to play Aberdeen last night, and the game got called yeah. off because of a waterlogged plastic pitch, <laughs> uh, which is quite funny. Yeah. Kevin Graham coming in saying that Okoflex was listening to some Little Mix. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. Mm, mm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ahead of the the game on Saturday then, what would you see? What is your prediction for the score at the weekend?
2: Oh, God. Uh, I mean, I've never won for predictions. I predicted 2-1 Celtic in the Ibrox game when I was last on. and obviously got that spectacularly wrong, but I I wasn't allowing for absolutely insane defending by near beaten. Uh so I, I should have probably factored that into my, th- my thinking. So I should factor in potentially insane defending. They've won seven on the bounce, Jerry Mesh. Um it's gonna, just, be a, it's
1: gonna be a difficult game.
2: Yeah, I I I think on Saturday I I certainly we, we, will, we will concede a goal. I know that. I can. I would put money on that right now. Um <laughs> well <laughs> how <has> this happened? <laughs> your fault. Um, i uh I, I i you know livingston different prospect and, and they definitely will score so i am gonna say i'm gonna it's a very hopeful punt in the two one uh two one category of, of results uh i just i just hope we can' because it's just like I, for for those guys as well i think it would have been hard to take for them walking in, you know, having suffered. You know, what would they probably felt like a defeat that goal right at the death? And if it is the same mm-hmm. team, hopefully they've got the bit between their teeth on Saturday to be like, right, okay, we made a bit of a mess at the end of that game uh, on Monday. Let's not do it again. We know we know the mistakes we cannot do in this game. So you'd like to think that was like maybe a bit of a, a lesson for them because they've not been able to learn. In any other games, are they? It's not a lot of these guys are just fledgling Celtic players. It's not as if they've got experience of victories or experience of defeats. They've got neither. <laughs> they've, they've just got to go yeah. in uh, as they are. So that that's their most their some of their only experience, and it's certainly their most recent experience of playing for Celtic. And um, I'd like to think that they could maybe um, take that experience into Saturday and 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 get us. Through these two games, and just, aye, just put, put it down to experience and, and move on, and get get the
1: the real quote unquote Celtic back um, for uh, for our next game. And it is a game that we will be covering here live on a Celtic State of Mind. We'll be. 30 minutes before kick-off we'll do the half-time analysis and then we'll be there for 30 minutes after the game uh, we'll have Paul back um, a lot of people saying he's going for a haircut I don't know what's going on there um, but maybe you'll be able to see what Paul has been up to in, um, over the last couple of hours in the not too distant future um, but for today um, I'd just like to thank uh, JP or the pound shop Jürgen Klopp as he's now <laughs> been called, um, it has been a <laughs> it's been a pleasure having you on and it has been a pleasure hosting today. Thank you to everyone in the comments. Um please make sure to to like to subscribe um and to give us your feedback. We will be back tomorrow um at 12:30 with the Axon daily bulletin. But until then everyone stay safe and heal heal. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203.
0: This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Fast Twitch, the new energy drink from Gatorade is here. And it's powering fast starts for athletes in every arena, like NBA All-Star Zion Williamson, WNBA Champ Kalia Copper, and MLB Superstar Francisco Lindor. With 200 milligrams of caffeine, electrolytes, and zero sugar, Fast Twitch is the new go to for on the go energy anytime you need to turn up the intensity. Available in six refreshing Gatorade inspired flavors. Grab Fast Twitch in the energy drink aisle at a store near you. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.